0: Hello and welcome to the IHS Markets Cross Commodities Podcast. My name is Hui Min, the editor for the Sulfuric Acid Weekly Report and the Southeast Asia editor for Fertilizer Products and I'm based in Singapore.
1: Hello everyone, uh, this is Mike Cooper, Coal Markets Analyst. I'm based in Perth in Australia.
0: Relations between China and Australia have hit a rough patch once again as China's economic planner the NDRC has announced that It is stopping economic talks with Australia indefinitely. As the political tensions worsened, the commodity space is assessing the impact, particularly coal, as China is one of Australia's top export destinations for coal. So Mike, how has the coal market responded to this news so far?
1: Thanks, Weemin. The NDRC's communication has brought more uncertainty to the seaborne coal market, and the market's been under a cloud since early 2019 when Chinese buyers started to push back on Australian cargoes. Ships carrying Australian coal encountered growing difficulties in finding unloading slots at Chinese ports, and this left quite a number of ships, around 100, waiting off Chinese ports for several months at a time. Uh, towards the end of 2020 official sources in china practically confirmed restrictions on australian coal imports amounted to a stoppage and china's imports of australian thermal coal which had reached 40 million metric tons in the january august 2020 period and around 30 million metric tons for australian coking coal have since dwindled to very low levels
0: well, Australia has been a supplier of this um, bituminous coal to China. Now, who will fill the vacuum of the higher heating value coal for China?
1: Uh, that's correct, We mean uh, Since 2019, power companies and steel mills in China have started to talk about diversifying their supply away from Australia. More cargoes of Canadian, Russian and US coal have started to flow to China. This trend has continued, and China has been sourcing coal imports from its neighbor Mongolia. Although this tends to be coking coal for steel production, Russian coal, so shipped through its Pacific ports, has played a greater role in the Chinese market. Although Russia only has a few export terminals on its Pacific coast, the largest supply growth for China has come from Indonesia. Its mid-CV quality coal appeals to Chinese buyers as it's a very versatile product. And South African thermal coal has returned to China after an absence of years. Australia, meanwhile, has been sending more of its coal that would otherwise have gone to China to markets such as India.
0: Oh, that's like musical chair going around. So now with this coal export facing headwinds in China and India might not totally absorb all the volumes that China used to import, are you seeing more price pressure on the Australian coal?
1: Oh, that's an interesting point. We mean the coal market tends to be heavily segmented, with premium products going uh, from Australia to Japan, and then the China market is a more of a standard grade product which attracts. Uh, marginal prices india interestingly has quadrupled its intake of australian thermal coal to around 4 million metric tons and that was in the march 2021 quarter whereas a year ago only 1.3 million metric tons of australian thermal coal traveled to india india along with some asian countries like south korea taiwan malaysia have taken up some of the slack in the australian seaborne trade left by china And China imported practically zero Australian thermal coal in the March 2021 quarter, down from a massive 12.6 million metric tons in the 2020 March quarter. And this is according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics. It will take time for other markets to fully absorb the reduction in China's market share. And thermal coal prices have stayed relatively resilient for the Japanese market at close to a hundred dollars US per metric tonne on account of supply tightness for this high grade thermal coal. Turning to the fertilizer market now, we mean, has that seen any impact from the NDRC communication?
0: Well, so far we are seeing rather minimal reaction in the fertilizer market as Australia is not the main fertilizer exporter to China. While China is now the main MAP phosphate exporter to Australia, the season runs from around November to May, so it's off-season right now, and the impact is not immediately seen. But if the tensions escalate, leading to a tit-for-tat reaction from Australia on Chinese imports, the MAP export from China might potentially be impacted, as Chinese MAP export volumes to Australia have been increasing over the past five years to around 650,000 tonnes last year. That's over 60% of Australia's MAP imports. On the raw material side, the supply tightness of sulfuric acid might still remain, partly because supply of copper concentrate from Australia will continue to be affected. Just like the Australia's coal, Australia's copper concentrate exports to China have declined due to the tensions. The copper concentrate exports were less than 1 million tonnes for 2020, down steadily since 2018 and the exports for Q1 this year to China were only around 27,000 tonnes. That's only about 10% of the volumes exported over the same quarter last year. This latest development might not be a total surprise to the Chinese smelters and they will have to keep turning to alternative source. And this will in turn impact on the supply of sulfuric acid if smelting activities are affected.
1: Oh That's a very good point, we mean As political tensions heat up from the NDRC announcement, it's likely to bring more uncertainty to commodity markets like fertilizers and coal, and there'll be some concern about whether there'll be more tit-for-tat measures to come.
0: Yes, that's right. And that comes to the end of our Cross Commodities podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Till the next time, goodbye.
1: Goodbye.